Kia ora whanau. I am so pumped, so pumped to share this one with you all today. I have got the very talented MK hopping on the podcast today. He is a musician, composer, actor, and very, very well known for his role as Mufasa on the Lion King International Tour. He has played Mufasa both abroad, overseas, as well as in the UK, and just a phenomenal guy, and his wisdom and insight and his story, his journey into uh, performing arts and drama, and eventually the Lion King stage production is phenomenal, phenomenal story, and I can't wait to share it with you all. Legend of a guy. I hope you enjoy this podcast with MK. Namahi. in the beard by the way yeah it's coming in very quick this is only two weeks i was actually sad to lose it before we came back to auckland um and then you know i i was worried for nothing basically <laughs> yeah 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 nah it looks good man it looks good man it's good to it's good to have you zooming in from joburg am i right mm-hmm. yep johannesburg south africa that's me so for you i mean you've been back in the country what two weeks yeah, about two weeks. Surely you're missing us. Yeah. I am. Oh my god, it was really such a dream. It was. It was such a. Uh, I don't know. A blessing and a privilege to be in a place where there's like almost zero COVID cases, and yeah. while the world is, you know, kind of on a slippery slope downhill, it was. Yeah, it was just like a, a momentary dream that we had. Yeah. Um, yeah, you guys are living the life there. <laughs> living the life. Are you? Were you back into lockdowns kind of thing, or is it what's happening in your part? Yeah, we've got the same kind of system um, with lockdown levels as Auckland and um, I mean as New Zealand and Australia do. But I think you only have four levels, whereas we have five levels. Right. Um, and we're currently on level four, which means we're it's a hard lockdown, basically. Because we're experiencing our fourth, a third wave, our third wave, yeah, at the man, moment. Man, so what's that like, man? Going from complete freedom to the bubble life. Yeah, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's just, you know, insane. It's yeah, like I said, we had a little bit of a reprieve, a moment to breathe, a moment to forget about it all for a second. Go to the shops without a mask on, and all of that. And now it's back to mask life. So, mm, man, because yeah. I mean, you were in it's New up. Zealand for five, was it five or six weeks? Yeah, about, about. Uh, and I think add an extra two weeks for quarantine, but you can't really count that. But yeah. Hey, our hotel life is where it's at. What, what was, it was what, pretty good. What, what were you doing in, in the old, in the old, what do you call it? <laughs> MIQ? What was the past the time methods? <laughs> oh, man. Well, for the first um, for the first couple of days, I was just getting over my jet lag. It was actually great to be quarantined um, to help get over the jet lag because usually what happens is we travel, and as we land, we have a day off to just like get our to orientate ourselves and all that, and then we get straight into work with yeah. the jet lag. So it was great to have two weeks to adjust your body to adjust to a new time zone. 
So that was good for the first couple of days. And then, you know, the boredom kind of kicked in. The first week went by like a month. And then the second week went by like, I don't know, two days. So <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's, it was just weird. Yeah, I mean, I was working, like recording songs. I was making videos. I got on my TikTok. Uh, oh, dangerous. <laughs> You're not a TikToker? No, I am. And that's the problem. You lose hours. You look up and it's been exactly. three hours on the scroll. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, too much editing. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, so I was just yeah trying to keep myself busy, uh, playing Sudoku, all of that chess. and. Okay, yeah. talk to me for a second. Sudo- Sudoku has got to be one of the most yeah. complicated games I've ever played. Like, because that's the one you've got to get this. They all got to add up, right? Each line. Yeah. Each line. Man, yeah. I, I just never get that, eh? Really? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I'm very left-brained. Um, I've got a very scientific, analytical mind for a creative, which is actually, you know, a bit strange. <laughs> yeah. Um, get that from my dad. He's, he's like, into, he's a scientist. He's got a degree in science. So uh, I've got a very analytical brain, like numbers and all that. In fact, in high school, I was... I took science, mathematics, um, what else did I take? Biology and accounting. Yeah. And then I went into <laughs> performance art <laughs> immediately after that. So crazy, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think I was blessed with the with the love for both. Um, yeah, yeah. The very analytical side and the very creative side as well. But I chose, you know, I chose my path. I chose the creative side of things. And that's, and that's awesome. And I wonder, like the first thing I think of when I hear that, bros what was the what was the family reaction was it full like support like yeah you go chase that dream or was it a little bit of oh, what mate, are you listen. thinking about here <laughs> no listen it's it's very tough I mean I don't think it's easy for any creative uh, there's a very um, small group of creatives you can say that um, when they chose the path that they chose um, their parents and their family were completely into it and they were supportive um you know i i'm zulu which is if you don't know very strict (laughs) uh, tribe of people um zulu fathers are known for just being like patriarchs and stoic and you know um just yeah hard to deal with and hard to 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 negotiate with so that's what i had to do with my dad is a perfect example of that um in fact in high school i wanted to be a pilot um we had we had a um, what's it called job shadowing uh, assignment in grade nine oh, yeah. where we had to choose a, we had to choose a profession and then go there find someone find someone to shadow and you know do a whole assignment and so my mom took me to an airport because I told her I wanted to be a pilot um and so I I really like I was really passionate about that for a number of years mm. and then um a few years later, uh, still at the same high school, I then found um, the stage. So, yeah, it was just, you know, you know, when you just like trying yourself out at everything. I mean, I was a swimmer at some point. I was a runner at some point. Yeah. I was a rugby player at some point. I was a volleyball player at some point. And yeah. then when I found, finally found the stage and drama, I was like, whoa this feels different. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. this. Yeah. I like this a lot. And then it was around about the time when you had to, you know, start casting your net out into 
university to see what you'd be doing and so everyone was expecting me to go down the route that I had chosen in grade nine like it's so strange how do you expect a 14 year old or 15 year old to make (laughs) even an 18 year old and a 19 year old you know exactly so it's like how do you expect me like in the middle of puberty to say (laughs) this is my profession this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life and I'm sticking by it so anyway I was about 16 17 when I uh, auditioned for the play at 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 my high school and I just loved it so much and I just had a natural talent for it um and so Mm. that was a quick it was a very quick rise to the top because um in grade 10, I was part of the sound and lighting team. So I wasn't even on the stage. I was just using this, I was um, yeah. controlling the spotlight. Um, and then in grade 11, I then decided, no, I think I'm on the wrong side of the spotlight. <laughs> so I auditioned yeah. for the play. And then I was part of the ensemble of West Side Story, um, which is the play we did then. That's awesome. And then, and then uh, in grade 12, I, you know, was the lead in the play that year and I was the president of the drama club as well so it was like a a very quick succession in that three years to be like is this what I want to do maybe it's something I want to do oh wait I'm the president of the whole yeah 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 did you have an empowering teacher or or kind of instructor in that process because I even remember my own drama journey in high school I am the only the the height of I did man yeah yeah, man. yeah i'll tell you there's something when you learn that being a creative isn't doesn't have to look a specific way because like i'm really bad as a visual artist for example so right. i Me instantly too. thought i was not a creative because i can't draw you know right um but when i had an empowering drama teacher and we did that one of the first things i did was the um we did a romeo and juliet mashup 12 minutes of scene yeah. by scene. I was Mercutio actually yeah. in that. And um oh good yeah, man. I got to die on stage. We got something in common. But um <laughs> I just remember it was the empowering teacher that was that kind of fueled that for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely I had a very empowering teacher, um, Mark Guthrie. He's still at Foy's high school, actually. Um he was really, I don't know, man. He was he was just so unapologetic about who he was and how he he just wanted the best out of us as the pupils um and so it was really i don't know it was just fun he made it easy he made it flow and i didn't feel any pressure to you know be you know excellent or good or anything it was just like what can you bring yeah he he just kind of polished that obviously there was an audition process and some people didn't make it but having said that you know the stage was very full (laughs) because a lot of kids wanted to be part of the um, part of the show and so you found that the ensemble was like a whole horde of like (laughs) children Um, but yeah I mean if he saw something in you he would just polish it and polish it and make it shine and so yeah, I really owe my grassroots training to Mark Guthrie awesome. um, at Foy's High School. He's really, 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 really great guy. And we talk about the polishing. And I know as a young creative and as a young performer, and I know now you're, you're seasoned and it'll be a different story. But in those early days of the polishing, when you're taking constructive feedback and criticism, constructive, um, how did you manage to go, 
because you get you get you could get told 20 amazing things about your performance but then the one thing mm. that you want to tweak and then what do you think of the, after the feedback what's the only thing you think about was the you know the constructive feedback how how did you kind of manage that mindset of i need to work on this without it getting to your head you know because that can be quite hard yeah yeah it's it's interesting i i don't know i i, I never really had a sense of self awareness in my late teen years um I don't know how to explain it, but I, I was just, um, I don't know if you know anything called soft focus and hard focus. It's just when you have a blurry view of the world and you're just seeing everything, even your periphery. So I think yeah. I was just going through the world in this whole soft focus mode um, and not really zoning in on specific things and zoning in on, you know, what I want and my desires and all of that. And so with things like um, crits and notes and uh, applying notes and all of that, I think I was just more focused on feeling. Um, mm. If it if it felt right, I would do it, you know, and that's something that has been intrinsic in me since I was very young. Um, and it's something that I still follow now. I think I've had a very strong sense of my instinct and following my instinct um you know switching careers and switching career paths and all of that and um just i w- once i feel like i'm on the wrong path with something yeah whether i feel it myself or whether you know a drama teacher or someone like i'm on stage and they say try this and try that and try that in order to get um something more out of that monologue or something i would take that in but then I would also then have to internalize it so that it feels right. So I've never been the type of actor who um, just does things because I'm meant to do it. I will internalize it until it feels like it was my decision, you know? So I think that's something that I've always done. So I wasn't a very critical thinker, I don't think, in my earlier years and, you know, by earlier years, I'm talking about like high school and up because yeah. we don't want to get into primary school and that. I was just a, a yeah. big ball of laughter and love. <laughs> yeah. But I would that. say as well that primary school students, like um, I saw this thing on, um, it might've been Facebook or something the other day. Sorry, before you get into it, what grades do you teach? Oh, just I, so that I, I can understand. Yeah, context. I teach 10 year olds, which is year five and six. Okay, so yeah. that's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm teaching the young yeah. kids. But yeah, yeah. The, the, the beauty of that is you get to be a performer every day in front of them. Do you know what I mean? Like, exactly. Like exactly. you are, you are a performer. Like I'm reading Charlie and the Chocolate Factory at the moment for them, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, you're putting on the accents and you see the kids like loving it, and then they're waiting yeah. for this this character to come up so they can hear that voice. And exactly. Um, but what I was gonna say is with kids. I saw this thing and it was like how young kids will laugh and it's the purest laugh and catch me. I'm going somewhere with this because they're laughing without any awareness other than the fact that they've found something funny. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no Mm -hmm. laughing. Like there's no thought of, Oh, I probably should laugh to make this person feel good about their joke or uh, I should laugh because that's appropriate to laugh, you know? And you see that in kids when they're, when they're performing. And I mean, you've worked with kids on stage, of course. um, And you can see that, kind of rawness when you're younger and it's kind of a shame and i wonder where how that gets kind of trained out of us as we yeah mature as 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 people and as creatives you know yeah 
it's yeah it's really a shame it's just i think it's high school it's just a, a very weird machine a social machine it's like everyone's got to fit in you know there's the jocks that start to develop and get all the popularity and the cheerleading girls and then they get all the popularity and you know everyone else is kind of fodder so <laughs> yeah um we get into our minds very early. I mean, our bodies are changing. A lot is happening in our minds with hormones and, and yeah, everything's just crazy. And we just, we train ourselves out of that. Like I said, when I was younger, I was like this big ball of bubbly energy with like not really a keen sense of self-awareness and then high school hit. And then I started to realize, Oh, that guy looks like that. And I look like that and he gets more attention and I don't and that's yeah. happening and that and you know people are okay as, as you start to see the social dynamic and then um every every class um we had a, a class called um LO life orientation yeah um do you have something like that well yeah, in, the, similar in your language. high schools yeah yeah Very similar yeah so we we in the first like few weeks or months of high school that's all we discuss in those classes, like fitting in, like what's happening? Why is everyone, it was kind of like a therapy session instead of opening <laughs> yeah. a textbook. What's happening to your body? So everyone, what's happening to my body and yours? <laughs> yeah, it was just like a major, like a therapy session, like what's happening. It's like the major theme was fitting in. And so we lose that sense of honesty and innocence and, you know, happy-go-luckiness and um, going about the world being yourself. And it's something that you have to then rediscover mm. thereafter. So, yeah, I think I, I've, I've come around, around. It's been a round trip for me <laughs> because, you know, at some point, you know, um, in high school, I was dealing with my sexuality. And yeah. for the whole four or five years, I was just internally going through turmoil and then externally still going through turmoil trying to fit in so there was too many things happening all at once but you know through I played rugby for a couple of years and you know sports really allows you to get out of your body and then so yeah um went through that process and then I um yeah like I said my grade 11 and grade 12 years was really when I came into my own and I decided for myself who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. Um, It was actually um, perfectly aligned that my grade 11 year, when I started, you know, discovering my love for the stage was the same year that um, the Teatro at Monte Casino was built and it was built for the Lion King in 2007 um, and that's when I was 16, turning 17, and I went and watched uh, The Lion King there, and I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, What the hell is going on? Yeah. <laughs> so it was the same kind of time that I discovered or I felt and I decided that I wanted to be part of this you know, creative industry, mm. that The Lion King was actually... Um, playing at the Teatro Monte Cassino, which is literally across the road from my high school. <laughs> wow. So I just wanted to jump on something you said there because I'm keen to chat all things Lion King and, and stuff like that, but and your journey through that. But there'll be people listening, whether they're creators or not, um, that are struggling um, with their sexuality or, uh, mm-hmm. um, or, or are finding things difficult, not in that area, but maybe in areas of 
identity and finding worth and who they are, what they're meant to look. What would you say, um, you know, to people that are maybe listening and going, oh man, what you're saying sounds like me right now, you know? Mm. Um, I'll just say your gut is always right. Your gut's always right. Um, like mm. for four years um, from, from about grade eight to grade 11, um, I was just fighting against gut instinct and mm. fighting against what I should have known earlier on was right. But what really um, holds people back is when they start to include other people's expectations of themselves into their identity. And that's when you get lost because nothing is intrinsic to you. You, you know, you've got extrinsic motivations to inform who you are. Mm. And then once you start to have to live that, you know, perform your personhood, you don't know who you're doing it for anymore because you don't know who influenced you to be that way so if you're hiding parts of yourself or if you're putting on parts that aren't really you just to please other people you'll find that if you move into a different environment where that person isn't there anymore you know you're you're performing this fake version of yourself Mm. for an audience member who's not even there anymore exactly (laughs) so it's like what are you doing so you have to really um, be the kind of person that you'd be happy with if you were stranded on a desert island, you know, like, who are you if you only had yourself, mm. you know, like when I wake up in the morning, I wake up alone in my bed and I'm, I'm happy with who I am. And, you know, I go through my gratitude um, list and my affirmations and I just, you know, count the things I'm grateful for. And I, I, I reaffirm myself of, I'm happy about who I am before I even grab my phone or go downstairs to make a cup of coffee. So you yeah. really just have to be happy with who you are. And it's simpler said than done. Um, For sure. So um, it's just, yeah, you have to really let go of other people's expectations. And it's hard because those other people are not just like random people. It could be your mother, your father, or yeah. your partner, or you know, somebody you really look up to who expects you to be something else, who expects mm. you to say something else or think a certain way. But if you feel like that's not you, yeah, just find find something else, you know, break, break out, you know, yeah. break the mold, create your own path. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Uh, even this podcast, I started this and, um, 2020 in my first lockdown New Zealand had and only yeah. when I first thought of it the inst- it's funny eh, how your mind goes that my first thought was and I said this before but it was like oh nah you know like oh nah because you know these people wouldn't you know think of that or, or enjoy it or whatever but it's funny how your mind yeah. goes there instantly right to others comparison yeah. yeah I won't I won't make it or you know yeah hmm. I mean we all start somewhere everything starts somewhere, you know, anyone who's a, who's successful at anything, the first iteration of that success was just, you know, something they did by themselves that had like, you know, two engagements from probably their, their close family. It was just like, yeah, we hate it all. 
oh that's awesome you know so <laughs> you know once your podcast starts reaching millions you're gonna say well i started somewhere where i only had 200 listeners or mm, exactly know, i don't know so it, it all starts somewhere well when you start when you after this if when i release this once you start getting millions of followers too bro we're saying, <laughs> that's, that's us <laughs> the power of manifestation <laughs> yeah speak it but um yeah. i love i love that for you the thing that made you just go oh my goodness was was the lion king when you saw that as a young person yeah and i know that before you landed the role that you're as mufasa king mm-hmm. i love that um now <laughs> you were an understudy first right for, for that role. I was, I was, yeah. So what was the journey uh, from, like, obviously university and, and you're in, um, in drama school, outside of school, to understudy? Mm-hmm. What, what what was that journey? Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, so I applied at the University of the Witwatersrand, as I'm wearing oh, my jersey. <laughs> represent. You know it's a good it's uni university. when you still enjoy their jersey years later, right? <laughs> Exactly. They've got the print, um, then they're on. Exactly. So I went there. Um, I mean, to show you how oblivious I was to whatever I wanted to do and how I was just following my gut with everything. Um, there's this day where, you know, you obviously apply the year before, around about August, and then you get accepted and then you're, you, you know, pay registration. You have to go to the whole registration fee in January the next year. So in that year, uh, 2009, I went to the university for like the first, first day when you go in and you have like a stack of papers and you just like applying for different subjects and all of that. And you're like, what am um, I doing? <laughs> yeah, where am I going? And yeah, there's yeah. arrows everywhere pointing in different <laughs> yeah. directions. Like, I don't know which route uh, to go to. Yeah, I feel that. So I, I ended up in this massive hall where we had to select um subjects we had to select you know what we're going to be studying and I was looking for like the musical theater side of things (laughs) and they're like everyone was confused I was like musical theater like does no one know what that is like I just spent (laughs) the last two years of my high school (laughs) career performing in musicals yeah and I get to university and it's all books and theory and what's going on here um and they're yeah. like, well, let's just break it down for you, sir. You are applying for a dramatic arts degree. So you're going to be doing um, performance and television. And I was like, but where's the music? And they're like, if you want to do music, then you have to apply for a Bachelor of Arts in music. And I was like, why are they two separate things? Yeah, I was so confused. Yeah. I was so confused. I was like, wait drama and music are two separate things yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds silly now it sounds silly now but you know everything from my culture to um the south african people to my love for musical theater is all connected you know as zulu people when we celebrate we dance and we sing and yeah. we perform for each other in the crawl you know if you go to a very rural place as a South African population, when we need to express ourselves in protest, you know, we go out on the streets and we dance and we sing and we march. Yeah. You know, there's always dancing and singing involved, you know. And um, me discovering musical theatre was acting, dancing and singing. It was all one package. It was never like 
you know, you're just going to play the cello this side and you're going to be doing monologues on that side. It was just like one thing all wrapped in one. So I got to university and I was like, I'd like to do a a degree in musical theater. And they're like, we don't have that. And I was very confused. I was very confused. And so going back to the theme, which is my theme of always doing what's right for me and always following my gut, I decided I was like, let me just see this. I was like, give me the schedule for 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 drama and give yeah. me the schedule for music. And everything worked in diagonals. So I was like, okay, drama's on that diagonal, music's on that diagonal, television's on that diagonal. And, and then I was like, wait, why don't I take this degree and not go to the television classes and put news because it doesn't clash. There are no clashes. If I take some subjects from there and some subjects from there and put it all together, I can create my own degree. And they're like, sir, somebody tried to do that before and they didn't finish. And I was like, but that's not me. I'm going to finish go. this. You know, I've, I've got a passion for this. I, I want to do music and drama. And they're yeah. like, well, to each their own. You know, somebody, you know, it's like nobody does that. Basically, if you're taking drama, you have to study television. If you're taking music, you have to do music theory and you have to do an instrument. That's mm. it. You know, so I was just like, no, I can do music theory and an instrument and performance. And, and I love that you took ownership of that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, ownership. And I think that's a key thing for anyone. Like, you got to control your your path in that in that sense. And and, exactly. and when you see those gaps, exactly, dang. exactly. So yeah, that was that was the initial part of my journey. Um, I did classical voice in first year. Um, I was struggling to find myself there. Uh, it didn't help that I had a very a strict teacher who I don't think he was on his right path as well. So he had a very, um, an angry way of teaching. He would like bash on the piano and, you know, get red in the face if you didn't sing the right thing. And he would come up to you and like squeeze your, squeeze your body and like try to activate your muscles for you. Like you should be activating these muscles. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And it's like, it was very abusive in that sense. I mean, he wasn't like abusing us or anything, but I just feel like he wasn't wasn't on the right path for himself. And so everything he was doing was wrong. You know, I mean, I knew I I I wasn't doing, I knew he wasn't the right teacher for me when, you know, my best friend at the time would come out of classical singing uh, tutorial crying in tears and then I'd be at the door ready to go in for my session immediately after that because oh, we booked our slots at the same time because we just wanted to go every so I was just like she'd walk out crying she wouldn't even say anything to me and I'd walk in and be like hi yeah, yeah. I really want to be here on? now ready to sing <laughs> so anyway uh enough about him so I then um um, there was two lovely ladies uh, and a gentleman. Uh, the ladies are Gina Schmuckler, um, who's a very prominent musical theatre performer in South Africa, uh, producer, director, writer, and Adele Strombeck, who's a really great um, a pianist and accompanist and composer and you know musical theatre extraordinaire yeah. um, musician. And then uh, Brian Schimmel as well, who's a prominent composer, um, a conductor, you know, as well in the musical theater industry. And the three of them had 
this course because they had the same kind of confusion about what was happening at WITS. Why isn't there a musical theater course? And so they approached WITS and they started a musical theater course. It, it actually had started the year before I applied for WITS. So the year before I even arrived, that's when it was in its inception. Right. And so, yeah, I auditioned for it. And um, needless to say, I got into that and it was Saturday classes. So obviously there were no classes, uh, there were no university courses running on Saturdays and Sundays, but um, in order for them to run their course, they had to um, find a slot on a Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to about 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. Mm. Um, and they took a, a very odd bunch of kids <laughs> yeah. into their day and, you know, showed them that there was a way indeed Um Vitz wasn't offering it, but they they knew that there were kids there who were longing for this and who needed that. And mm. so, yeah, every Saturday morning, um, summer, autumn, winter, or spring, I'd be there at 10 a.m. in the morning learning how to sing musical theater songs. And um, I learned a new technique of singing called speech level singing, which if you listen to musical theater, you know, you know it's like recitative it's like somebody just singing and speaking at the same time and so that clashed with my yeah. um classical tutor who was like what are you doing because i started <laughs> mixing techniques now you yeah know, i started you know he was already an angry man so <laughs> yeah. now i come in <laughs> i come into his class using different techniques and he got even more off at me and then yeah they had a sit down gina and francois had a sit down and they fought over you know which technique I would end up going with, yeah. and then I had to get in the middle and be like, "Stop fighting, Mom, Dad. <laughs> it's Christmas." <laughs> yeah. um, I was like, "Stop fighting, guys!" When I'm in classical, I use my classical technique, and when I'm in musical theater, I'll use my speech level singing technique. Leave it up to me. I'm the student. I'm the one who's here to learn. Yeah, it's you um, at the end of the day. Yeah, and that didn't work out either because Francois got more and more angry at me and Gina was trying to you know find a way to make me loosen up and loosen my apparatus because you know as a singer and as an actor your body is your your instrument um, yeah. and so everything has to be loose everything has to be freeze for you to you know um, ex uh, express express the emotion that you need to express which is the opposite in classical music I don't think they focus on um meaning and uh, the story or anything like that i think it's when you get to like virtuoso levels like pavarotti yeah. and all yeah, of that exactly when they yeah it's like so you go through a whole process of really like intense physical training and once you get to your 30s and 40s and 50s that's when you start to find the freedom in that and so yeah with musical theatres, just like get straight to the meaning. <laughs> well, and and you know, I I've, I I have become a huge. Well, I mean, I always was, but um, in recent years, a huge musical theatre fan, and that's what I love the most. Like I, I just watched, well, maybe like twenty thousand times, um, Hamilton, Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah. And oh I, goodness. I love the depth of uh, not just not just Hamilton, any musical. I, I even watched. I just watched his adaption of In the Heights, the movie. But I just yes. love the storytelling that comes with yes. every single, oh, just every element and aspect of musical theater. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like, yeah. oh, I, I can't explain it other than just a love for it. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Have you you've seen Hamilton? I'm assuming. 
Yes, yes, yes. I've seen it three times on the West End. I'm just, oh, I need to see it again now because, you know, they everything's reopening slowly. And so some yeah. of my friends have been cast in this new, um, this new uh, opening that's going to happen in about three weeks time in London. So I'm looking at my diary, like, when am Get I there. getting to the UK? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. my flights. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's just when, uh, it's like when, a good composer has a good book writer has a good story to tell uh you know creates a beautiful musical and gets amazing talented actors and then everything just works together knits together to create this mm. perfect story i could go on and on about hamilton that's and that's like why i love stuff. lin-manuel because that vision yeah. started as a mixtape for for like just exactly. for singing you know and um, exactly. I remember that performance. Do you remember that performance he did at the White House of it in the yeah. early, early days? And of yeah, um, it was just you know, him on the piano. That like, is a bastard, um, orphan, son of a whore. Like, um, and it was, it wasn't what it was then to now. But I just yeah. love you could see it start, and then exactly. yeah, that was clever. It but was isn't that clever. what we were saying? Isn't that what we were saying about everything has to start somewhere? Everything has a genesis, you yeah. know. Um, I mean, he probably had a vision of what he wanted it to be. But you can't say, I want to be the writer and director of a smash hit musical and then the next day go to the theater and like, it's opening night, you know, yeah. it starts somewhere. And he would have had you pushback. Know. He would have had lots of pushback. I mean, yeah, if yeah, I said yeah. to you, hey, let's do a musical about the American Revolution, about actually not even, well, it is about the American Revolution, <laughs> but about Alexander Hamilton, who no one really knows. Exactly. Yeah. It's crazy, and then cast people of color to play all the white yeah. forefathers, yeah. founding fathers, and make it a rap hip hop musical. That isn't it insane? With a thousand words a minute, it's like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I don't think anyone was like. <laughs> I think um, Leslie Odom Jr. All of them are amazing, yeah. but Leslie Odom yeah, Jr. Yeah. was my one of my favorites. Like I love. Yeah. Oh, I mean, his tone yeah. and his ability, his his ability to use both facials and 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 body language to just embody yeah. the oh, inner torment of his character of yeah. always being Burr. minimized to to Alexander, yeah. always losing out to Alexander. Like it's just yeah. a. I love I love that character of Burr. Like I just need to get back to my training. Like training never stops. You know, I could be Mufasa on the international tour of the Lion King, but I still need to go training. Training, training, training. I, I would love to play Burr. Oh, my God. But one character that I feel like I could do now at my level of training is yeah. um, um, George Washington. Man. Oh, man, isn't man. he good? Isn't he good? <laughs> yeah, yeah man. David Diggs. I think that's played by David Diggs. Oh, he's really great. He's really great at that. And I'm just like, give me that right now, please. So anyone saw... listening that's in that world... MK over here. <laughs> Get him in. <laughs> Get me in. I'd like to play George Washington. I'll be I'll be working towards my Aaron Burr. I, I can even be an Aaron Burr understudy. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, man. Well, but that but that's yeah. the thing. Like being an understudy, and could you break that down for people that don't know? Because I'm I'm aware we could we could nerd out on this, and people would we'll lose people. But being an understudy, um, to Mufasa on the West End. Mm -hmm. I'm keen to hear about that, but also what is an understudy? Could you break that down? Okay. So 
in every musical, there's, you know, people that play the role and they play each role every day um, unless they're sick or injured. So in London, there's a man called um, Sean Escoffrey, who you might know. Yeah, um, And he plays, yeah, legend, legend, legend. Um, he plays the role of Mufasa there. And so when I auditioned in 2014, yeah, 2014, um, I got cast in The Lion King. And, um, you know, we, we all audition as like a huge group and it's like a cattle call. And whoever gets cast, you could go with your best friend to the audition mm. and both get cast, but you find out that oh you're going to london and they're going to spain or they're going to mexico or the, it's like you know so you could audition together with somebody but find that you all just go to different places really so how does um, what do you mean by that like for the lion king is there like just this kind of international hub of 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 where you audition and then they go All right you'll be good for spain you'll be good for you know what I mean? yes and no it's not it's not so much a hub as it is I, I like to call it a spaceship <laughs> that yeah. goes around and like <laughs> sucks people up, <laughs> beams people up into this ship yeah. and then moves off to another country and beams <laughs> more people up and then moves on and drops them off and drops them off and drops them off. Yeah. So I like to think about um, the international team as as that. So there's an international team of blanking. They're the associates. Once yeah. you get to your associate mm-hmm. level, you are that person you that's your role on every single Lion King in the world and at, right. at I think there's about nine companies in the world of the Lion King yeah and at most including tours I think there's been 13 at one point um right. all running at the same time so wow. yeah um as you may or may not know, The Lion King is set in Southern Africa as the story. The setting happens in Southern Africa, played mm. by the lions, of course. And so the music is inspired by Southern African uh, music trends and not trends, but like uh, traditions. And, yeah. Um, um, so they need South Africans. Totally. There's a quota. Yeah, there's a quota that every single Lion King has to have a certain amount of South Africans in it. And so cool. you find that the cattle calls, they come to the three major cities in South Africa, which is Johannesburg, Cape Town, and Durban. And they audition people on a wow. massive scale. Wow, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they audition people on a massive scale. And then about two, two and a half months later, if you're lucky, you get a call from the, London, from the Lion King in London saying, hi, you know, we 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 would like to offer you a job. Um, you know, we really like what you did. Um, you got the ensemble part, but you also auditioned for Mufasa as um, as your callback material, and you've been accepted for that as well. So sometimes you would get the role, you would get the part or the job rather, but you wouldn't get your understudy part. You know, if you're still uh, powerful enough to be part of the ensemble you'd get the part and, um so if they liked your your callback as a character of the show then you get that as well so i moved to london in 2015 on the 24th of march and you know i was wide-eyed and i was just ready oh to my rock I was like, come on I was like yeah. what's going on sense yeah. of london w1 um so 
um, yeah, I started started my started learning what the show was about. I had seen it only once before in 2007. Yeah. Um, and so as soon as you land, the first thing they do is like they put you up in a hotel for two weeks. But the first day that you land, you get a ticket <laughs> to go watch the show. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Jet yeah. lag and all. So yeah. you land, put your bags down, take a shower, whatever. And then you go to the theater and you watch the show just so you know what you're getting yourself into. And I was just yeah. crying. And I think I was yeah. crying for like two months. I was like, is this my life? <laughs> is this really happening? <laughs> oh, so man, yeah. once you're settled in, once you're settled in, about uh, six weeks later, you open. So you 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 learn the show for six weeks as a newbie, as a newcomer, and then um, you open and you do your you do your job. You know if you're a tree in the background, if you're a hyena in this part, if you're whatever as ensemble, you do multiple things. Yeah. Um, you're a kite flyer, <laughs> you're yeah. a puppeteer, yeah. this and that. Um, and then during the day, obviously, the show happens at night. So as an understudy, you get emails. You get an email saying, okay, it's time to start your understudy training or, yeah. you know, uh, your rehearsals. So then you start learning um, Mufasa and you learn the lines and you get coached by the director. And, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, once you're ready, you have something called a put-in, which is basically the whole ensemble or well, the whole cast cast in for rehearsal on stage just for you wow. to get in to get put in as yeah. Mufasa yeah so or as whatever character that you're understudying so yeah. I had my put in as well and then what usually happens is you have your put in on an afternoon and then that evening you then play the role in front of, you know, 2,200 people, which is the capacity at the Lyceum Theatre. Yeah. Uh, so Tell me that about that happened. first night for you, man. Oh, goodness me. Because I can imagine. <laughs> wow. It was a lot. I was, I was so emotional. Yeah. I was so emotional. Um, Mufasa is a very spiritual character. Yeah. Um, you, you know, he's very stoic and he's, he's the king already, which is, something very interesting about him he doesn't have much of a journey to undergo which nice. is you know as an actor you 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 always dig into the meat of the story like where does my character start and where does he end up and what are his motivations what does he want how does he get it what are his obstacles blah 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 and I asked myself all those questions as an actor would do getting into the material and you find that some of the answers are just like point blank in period. It's like, yeah. he's already the king. <laughs> yeah. He starts off already at the peak of his life. He's, yeah. you know, and all he, all he lives for at that point is for his son and for his pride. Yeah. Um, and then he dies. So it's like, there isn't much of a journey. So I had to dig in and mm. find what it was that he goes through, which ended up, I ended up figuring this very internal, it's very spiritual, it's all, it all happens inside. And that's the, that's the challenge with him. It's like, you know, you have to express everything that's going on inside, but also at the same time move very minimally because 
you know that's the direction that's wow. that's what you have to do you don't do you don't do much as Mufasa the more you do the less power you have you know so but what I love the beauty of Mufasa though and um and I'm keen to talk about your New Zealand experience um but and from what I saw live but what from what I've seen in the um in the film is that yeah. and it's it's a weird parallel to to I guess men in society too but um, is the vulnerability of a, of a, mm. of a, of a king mm. and, mm. and not wanting to be vulnerable, but also being very vulnerable at the same time with Simba. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's a very interesting paradox and it's like, um, it's different every night, you know, like you were asking me about my first night. I was, I was, really really emotional even before my first night I was just discovering so much about myself um through through digging into his past discovering a lot about my dad as well because I had to find a way to tap into that character as a person who's not a king as a person who doesn't lead a massive group of people as a person who's not a father you know as a person who's not a lion (laughs) yeah there's just so many things that I had to find extrinsic motivations for and, 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 you know, make them part, internalize them for myself. And I was like, what's my closest point of reference? It was my father and his brothers. I was Mm. like, these are the closest references I have to Mufasa. And I, I was channeling them most of the time. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of, in as much as there's a lot of um, uh, divergences from the character, there's a lot of similarities as well with my culture because Zulu people are highly spiritual and we believe yeah. in the afterlife and we believe in ancestors and we believe in, you know, the only song that Mufasa sings is They Live In You. And that's the whole premise of the Zulu culture. It's yeah. like, once once the elders have passed on they become your your ancestors and they become your guides and in trying to tap into that world Mm. i literally did tap into it and it broke me down and and for like for a week or so um i couldn't i couldn't sing the song because i would just you know, my spine would start vibrating and my, my whole core would shake and I would just break down in tears. And, I love you that. know, my, my directors didn't know what to do with me. They're like, oh my God, <laughs> I <laughs> believe in him so much. We can't put him on stage like this. <laughs> He's a crying mess, yeah. you know? And they're like, dude, you need to get it together. And like, yeah. what's going on with you? I was like, I finally get it. <laughs> I finally get it. Oh, yeah, come <laughs> so on. So that was my journey. Um, that was my journey, and then, um, yeah, I think I was so invested uh, um, in 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 the journey and the character and in the story um, that on my first night, I I was actually crying. <laughs> I was mourning Mufasa's death myself. I was <laughs> laying there dead, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and tears were streaming out of my eyes. I was like, "I'm dead." That's <laughs> yeah. over. I become yeah. that ancestor now. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Everything was so like real to me, and oh. um, I just had to find a way to hit the brakes for my own mental health and 
yeah. hit the reverse gear a little bit and 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 pull pull away from you know all the spiritual um, stuff, which is really great. I'm happy that I found it because it made me a much deeper person spiritually. Um, but I had to find a way to prioritize my own mental health and my own sense of well-being in the process. You know, I couldn't break down every time I was playing the character because then, you know, yeah. slippery slope into yeah. something very dark. <laughs> yeah. And how long did you spend so, yeah, on, well, on, on the West End? Um, so it was two years and eight months. Um, so from May of well, I'll, I'll say from March because that's when, you know, I landed on the 25th of March in the UK yeah. and six weeks of um, rehearsals. And then we opened on the 6th, I think, of May that year. And yeah, we, I mean, the show is still running. In fact, yesterday they opened up after COVID. That's they right. Had their, they had their opening night last night, which I still need to call my friends and congratulate them. Um so cool. um yeah so i i i was there for two years and eight months and uh in that time i excelled i was you know um i kept all my teachings with me um i mm. i really just wanted to excel and shine and uh grow in that space and it was recognized um i remember they they announced before anything's announced there's always like hearsay in the corridor oh, of course you hear about yeah, you yeah. Hear they, they're starting a new international company oh my god it's going to be south africans only oh my god it's going to be this and that it's going to yeah. be there's so many things yeah rumors some flying some yeah rumors flying around the corridors and would you do it would you do it i don't know i don't know I, i'm not sure da, da, da. if if they offered you a part would you take it so everyone was just chatting chitter yeah. chattering and then um I got asked to to come very early on a cold Wednesday morning to come and um, isn't it always cold uh, over there? Yeah, <laughs> sometimes it's warm. It's warm right now, actually. Um, uh, June. Wait, what am I saying? From March to about August is warm ah, ish. Yeah, <laughs> they have two weeks of sunshine. It's always <laughs> cloudy and overcast. Yeah, so yeah. I. I just remember that it was a very cold, I think maybe February or, or March ish. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Wednesday morning. And on Wednesdays we have two shows. Um, so they asked me to come even earlier than <laughs> the first show yeah, yeah. to, to go to the studio to help uh, read for scars who were auditioning. So there were three finalists that they wanted to decide on and they needed a scene partner and so they chose um the Mufasa and Scar scene Scar Cave one and they were like hi MK we'd like you to come and read the role of Mufasa for these auditions um they're the final three and we you know we're deciding on who to go for for the international tour oh no way yeah this way is this where I think it's gone yep <laughs> it's going where you think it's going so i was like okay that's interesting you know with all the rumors flying around now they're asking me to go and read for the role of mufasa yeah. hmm. i mean i say read in inverted commas it's the word we use for yeah. you know just being a, a scene partner yeah. um i wasn't actually reading because i knew the lines already you'd hope so uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> 
So I woke up early on that Wednesday morning and I was on time. I was ready. I had my cup of coffee. You know, I stressed out nice. I smelled nice. I was, I was just ready to rock. Fabulous. Let's um, go. And I kind, of, I kind of already knew what was happening, but I'll get back to that in a second. Um, and so the first guy comes in, you know, he does his thing. It was okay. And, you know, he walks out. And they're like, what do you think about that? And I was like, yeah, he was all right. Whatever. You know, yeah. let's see the next one. The next guy comes in. He does his thing. He absolutely knocks it out of the park. And then um, he leaves. And then they're like, what do you think about him? I was like, yeah, he was great. He was great. He was really good. You should take him. You should take that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we had a bit of time um, for the third one to come in. And in that time, you know, you're just making conversation. You're just like, oh, man, when is my audition, guys? Like, come on, let's yeah. do it before the next star comes in. Yeah, let, yeah. let me just do my quick audition quickly now. And yeah. then uh, Anthony Lynn, Anthony Lynn says, well, you don't have to audition. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I'd like to. He's like, no, you don't have to audition because you've already got the part. And I was like, oh. yes. I was like, no. <laughs> no and then i froze i froze i thought about so many things everything was rushing into my mind all at once i was like yeah and i didn't realize how long i'd frozen for and he's like well aren't you gonna celebrate are you happy about that <laughs> and i was like yes i was like oh my god and i ran around the room and i was like running around jumping Let's but go. there was a lot to consider there was a lot course, to consider because you know um I was on my path in the in the UK and, you know, um, coming from a third world country and working in London and working in the UK, you know, you always have this uh, dream of like making life better for yourself. And one of the ways to do that is to work long enough in the UK that you get uh, naturalized as a, as yeah. a citizen. And that takes about six years to achieve. So I, I was already like, kind of halfway through it because it was two it was like two and a half years that I mm. was already working there so I had another two and a half years to go in order to be able to apply for my citizenship in my sixth year mm. so I had to decide like taking this taking this role would I'd have to leave the UK which means I wouldn't get my citizenship and so all of that rushed into my mind all at the same all time the same so time. I didn't want to celebrate yeah, I didn't want to celebrate immediately, but I was like, you know what? This is great. This is great. Um, I'd rather take this one. I, I weighed it all up and I was like, give me that one. <laughs> I like that version. That's yeah, so cool. Yeah, needless to say, the scar that I liked is my scar right now. <laughs> He's my younger oh, brother. Anthony, Anthony, Anthony Lawrence, right? Anthony, Anthony Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. He's yeah, incredible, yeah. He was dude. the second scar that came in. He was wow. the second scar that came in and he... Um, yeah, he absolutely knocked it out of the park. And as he walked out, I was like, that's the one. That's the one. Take him, take him, take him. Because what I love <laughs> so about... He's listening. Yeah, Anthony, mate, you I'm are saying, a if legend. If he's listening, he must, he, must, he must, you know, credit me because I influenced him to take him. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Think about that one. Oh, I'll tell you, what I love is because when you listen to... um, And you would know, and I, I don't, I can't remember his name, the original... Scar from nine, you know, nineteen ninety-seven. The one when they actually put it all on Spotify, the original musical. What's oh his goodness, name? on stage or on? I know Jeremy Irons is from the. Well, animation. yeah, no, I'm Jeremy sure. Irons is the animation. I'm talking. Hold on, I could probably just get it up on. On stage, yeah. 
but but what I loved about Anthony is his um his vocals are unbelievable. Hey, spot on, spot Unreal. on, yeah. Um, New Zealand man, I mean that international tour yeah. took you to like Manila, Singapore, all those places. Yeah, and, um, Korea, Taipei. Yeah, uh, what else? Bangkok. I'm just trying to remember off the yeah. top of my head. Um, Hong Kong. Hong yeah. Kong, yeah. I think I'm a- it's it's good. It's good. It's it's great to be on an international tour for that reason because it's like you could go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whereas with other companies, it's like you're set in that country. And when I, did you watch? Oh, people will laugh at this, bro. People people that know me already know this. I've seen a few, bro. I came a few times. Because I came really? on that first, I came on the I came on uh, me and 10 friends came together yeah. <laughs> on your first Amazing. preview Thursday night, the very first one. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but the uh, problem was, was we one. were right up the back way, right like the last uh, seats. Yeah. And so um, the screens helped you. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. But I was there like yeah. there's no way I'm not coming back to this. Um, <laughs> and like it's you gotta really factor powerful, in isn't it? Oh dude. You you have and no have idea. Nah, nah. And that's the thing. Like I, I, I've only seen like, only heard all like the you know on Spotify and stuff. Never, yeah. You know, and so yeah, dude, you have no idea what that musical did for me, but also for mm-hmm. everyone I've spoken to. Not one person has walked away the same. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, but it was it was it was phenomenal. I loved um Spark Arena's event. Like it was it was big. Like it was a huge event. Like I don't know if they're used to that many people. I guess four thousand. We've had arena. Yeah, we've had arena performances in Taipei and in Hong Kong. So that was our third arena. Um, it's really yeah, it's a different experience in that kind of space. But the stage doesn't change its size. You know, the stage is always the same size. So it's not like. If you're in an arena, you have a bigger stage or anything like that. Nah. So, yeah, the the our stage is always the same size, no matter where we are. Yeah, tell me, tell me yeah. about, tell me about the the family that got brought together. Or the New Zealand word is Fano. The Fano that came together mm. for that six weeks. What what a what an incredible bunch of people, man. Yeah, man, it's really it's really powerful. Um, like we, I think we're the most diverse company in terms of the fact that we've got 16 different nationalities that are part mm. of part of you know the cast and crew um and creatives um so it was really great to reconnect with these people mm. because we've been touring since 2018 so that's all of 2018 and all of 2019 and then uh 2020 we were all locked down and then yeah 16 months later then we're back together and it was great it was it was so powerful to reconnect with the same people that we know but then also um welcome new people yeah um into into our show so you know one of the people's nikafoa as well who you know is a legend in his own right um and I've worked with him before in London. You know, we've got our friendship that started there when I was still an understudy. Right, yeah. Um, and so when he came through, I think I was the only person that he had worked with or one of two people. Yeah. So it was, 
he had to meet everyone for the first time. Um, and I was just like, yeah, that's my brother. That's my friend. Y'all. My Don't boy. touch me. <laughs> I know him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was uh, it was really great to welcome new people and to welcome them into our crazy family and all our little traditions and all our little things that we do and we celebrate birthdays and all that. Yeah. Um it's just our unique little funnel like you said. Um yeah. yeah, it was it was heartwarming as well and everyone's a little bit changed, everyone's a little bit different, you know, after lockdown. We've lost people we've all grown yeah um, i think there's a greater sense of humility a greater sense of gratitude um you know there's there was definitely less ego involved because there's a sense of entitlement and power that you have when you're just like oh i'm part of the best musical in the world the number one musical yeah, blah, 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 blah. And, yeah. you know you forget that everyone that you're working with is part of the same machine. So, mm. <laughs> you know, people that walk around with the chip on their shoulder, like, yeah, I'm the best Mufasa. I'm Mufasa. The best star. Yeah, I'm yeah. the Lion King, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like all of that was gone. Whoever had that kind of mentality before, knowing that we were the only company in the world running yeah. was just grounding it was really yeah. grounding it just brought us all back down to earth and we all really appreciated what we had and um we finally saw that they actually you know is a way that everything could be shut down yeah. it's called covid yeah. <laughs> and, and you know so, you're talking about just the homegrown nakar four coming on like that moment when he swings on because all of new zealand knew he was homecoming and he swings on to, yeah. to sing Hakuna Matata is, is amazing. But the other yeah. cool thing I loved, and you have more interaction than anyone else with them, is our young Kiwi actors. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, um, was that oh, cool for man. you, working with young New Zealanders? Oh, uh, I just love kids, period. Uh, yeah. I love, I love, even before I started um, doing Lion King, I was, so I graduated in 2013. And then in 2014, I was working in the children's theaters in Johannesburg. Yeah. Uh, I was working at the National uh, Children's Theater and at the People's Theater. And those are children's theaters. They're for, yeah. ch- they're for um, young audiences. Yeah. And therefore, um, and we work with like, um, from eight to 12 years old, that kind of age range of the Simbas and Nalas that we work with. So I had experience already working with these, you know, young little children. Um, they're just so honest, man. And the yep. purity, they help you remember the, the core of performance is mm. just about being honest and being affected by what somebody else is saying and, you know, just being vulnerable yeah, so, mm. yeah, there's something else. Uh, before you started recording, we were speaking about um, just how grounded the Kiwis are yeah. um, in spirituality and in um, into their land and into their culture and their heritage. And the kids really have that, man. It's just intrinsic in them. It's just something that's so embedded into them. And, you know, as funny and as quirky as they are, yeah, you know when they need to be serious, it's a switch, man. It's a switch. Yeah, mm. when I go Simba, I'm very disappointed in you. And so, <laughs> oh. <laughs> just thinking about it makes me like, oh, I just want to get back on stage with those kids, man. So I tell crazy. you, man. Um, look, I don't like you. Don't need to hear this, but like I thought you were fantastic. Um, oh, and you. I don't know if this is you 
making the role your own or if this is what every Mufasa does. But there's a moment and I've like, bro, so me and my mates were up, we're up the top. And I, as I say, I came back again and loved it. But yeah. the first time, as soon as we heard, we were like, oh, it was game over. Like we had the tears were rolling already. Like, Rick, <laughs> I think we were in tears almost every song, except the Kuna Matata because yeah. you can't really in the Kuna Matata. Yeah, you can't really, uh, <laughs> really celebrate with that one. Yeah, yeah. but um, there's a you. moment. Thank you so much. Oh, good man. But there's a moment when you catch Simba, young Simba, and he goes, "And we'll always be together, right?" And there's this powerful moment where you just, you know, you look to the, you drop him and you look to the stars, and it's just like. Even thinking about it, goosebumps. Goosebumps, you know? yeah. Yeah, it's it's a really powerful moment, that one. And it's so delicate. Like I told you about Mufasa, the more you do, the less power, the less impact he has. And so he, you kind of have to work negatively with him. It's like the kid will do all the animation. And yes, he's very like physical as well he's got his you know he has to be the lion but in order for him to be impactful and in order for him to you know get the message across it's that stillness that's just like yeah okay i can't answer this right now it's like being a politician you know you have to find ways to say things you have to find ways to not say things and like shroud this and all of that you know he's not very cerebral either he's he's a very you know brusque man he's like yeah. you know he's 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 brawn mm. he's he's more brawn than anything he's yeah. brawn and majesty you know mm. that's what he is he's not a very critical thinker or anything like that so he's not going to sit Simba down and be like so listen <laughs> what I was thinking. this is what's going to happen <laughs> <laughs> so for him it's like we'll always be together right and the immediate answer is no but as yeah. the politician the king the, the, the political side of being a king of being a father of knowing that you're talking to a young boy you can't just be like no bitch I'm going to die one day <laughs> <laughs> and actually very soon bro because I know the story <laughs> <laughs> exactly so Interestingly enough, even in the world of the story, even him being that spiritual, he has a sense of the fact that this is probably the end, you know, but that's yeah. something that I can't, you can't really discuss that because it's not written down anywhere, but that's part of my internal work that I, that I do because, you know, part of being that spiritual, you have, you have a very deep sense of the past and a, a very, um, instinctive knowing of what's going to happen next. So, you know, there's Rafiki. That's what that felt like. Yeah. When you perform yeah. that song, that's what it feels like. It feels like Mufasa knows that yeah. this is... I'm glad it comes across. <laughs> yeah. Do you know my favorite line in that song you sing? And you might laugh at this, but as um, and because I don't even know what it means, but it's when you sing that, Mamela, that's what that line? Listen. I mean, it's going back to what we're saying and just feeling your gut instinct. Mamela means to listen. I mean, you can listen with your ears, but you can also listen with your spirit. You can listen with your soul and, you know, mm. tell you something you don't know or you might not know. But that song, before Mufasa starts talking to Simba, the beginning of the song mm. is all internal. You know, um, my directors always tell me if this was a film... Mm. Um, all of that would be happening in his head and his mouth wouldn't be moving. Yeah. So when he goes, night and the spirit of life calling, it's just thoughts. Yeah. So 
Wow, nah. In essence, what you should be seeing is Mufasa just standing there, staring at the stars, you know, receiving, listening. We mm. are like listening to the ancestors and what they have to say. And Simba's just there, like, uh, are you all good, bro? All right? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> should I get yeah. you some water? Eat anything? <laughs> and then he switches and he comes back to his senses and he's like, Simba, let me tell you something. You know, yeah. and he comes back to earth. He comes so all of that is like voiceover. It's 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 yeah. in his mind. But because it's theater, you know, theater, there's a lot of um suspension of disbelief. Um, there's a lot of um dramatic irony that uh comes into play. And so um, like we said, if it was a different medium, if it was cinema or theater or TV or anything like that, they'd employ like a voiceover mm. where he would just be lost in thought. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's the, the, the beginning of the song where he's just lost in thought, but, you know, because it's theater, you know, we use puppetry to make you believe that there are actual real animals there, but you know, it's puppets. So the fact that I'm singing and looking away, um, the audience gets a sense of the fact that, okay, he might just be lost in thought at this point. Yeah. That's what I was saying. There was something really significant about when you took your mantle off. And I'm actually curious to unpack people that haven't seen the show are thinking, what are you talking about? This, it, this is one of the best songs. In the <laughs> Don't show. ruin it. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, I know. Cause the thing is people can't I watch it. Should... People can't watch it unless yeah, they go live, you know? Yeah, I think you should put that in your caption. <laughs> yeah, Spoiler spoilers. <laughs> um, what is the significance of that? Because then he helps you put it back on. And I'm trying to figure out if it's just like, because mm. it's admin, you actually can't put it on by yourself. Or if there's there's more to it than just that. Mm. You know? Yeah, there's definitely a whole lot more to it than that. Um, you know, Mufasa is the king. Mufasa is the father and there's the man as well or the lion yeah um and he's all three of those at once of course but in his first lesson to young simba up on the rock the day with dad um he explains a lot to him about um the kingdom and that one day this is all going to be yours you know you're going to rule over this and Simba just being this, you know, naughty kid, uh, he, he hears everything, but it goes in one ear and it goes out the other ear and he picks out the, the bits that he wants to, <laughs> to keep, you know. What about that shadowy um, place or, over there? It's like, are you listening? Yeah, <laughs> that's all. Yeah, that's all he hears. He, he just hears, I'm going to be the king and I can do whatever I want. You know, yeah. that's all he hears in that whole process. But the main lesson of, one day I'm going to be gone mm. and I won't be here for you anymore. He misses that the first time, but that message is there already. That's right. So the second time, the second time it comes around, he has to find a way to connect with him mm. on a deeper level because, you know, um, you know, you walk around with your crown on and your cape on and everything and you're the king and all of that. And that's all the child's going to see. He's going to see his father as like the statuesque person who's out of reach, who, who, who he doesn't have access to. And so one of the, one of the 
motivations for taking the crown off, for taking the mantle off is I need to find a way to get this message across to him. Yeah. Father to son, mm. not king to subject or not king to prince, you know, father to son. How do I get that across? Let me just, you know, take this off for a bit. Let me stop being the king for a little while and let me connect with him. And so, you know, there's, there's, there are multiple levels of depth totally. to that, but on the, on the, on the very basic level, it's just wanting to connect with his son as a father and mm. then um, putting it back on. Like I said, he's not a very didactic man. He doesn't teach things like there's this and there's that and there's spirituality and there's this. I mean, you can't teach spirituality in a didactic manner. You can't sit someone down and be like, okay, so these are your ancestors, write them down, all of that. It's like, yeah. it's, you learn, you learn it by doing it. And so yeah. at the end, you know, he goes back to his crown and there's a whole process. There's a whole ceremony to take it off and to put it back on. And he goes through the whole process to do that. And it's part of teaching because he knows that his son is always watching and he hopes that his son is always watching. So him doing the whole process of taking the mask off, putting it down and, you know, having that respect for it, mm. you know, he hopes that, that he's imparting knowledge to his son. In that process. And then you see that right at the end when he, when he copies her, mate. Yes, 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 um, yes. Um, it's I all hope- about teaching by doing. Yeah. I, um, yeah. I hope, I hope um, we were a good audience for you, man, because, um, you know, New Zealanders can be rowdy ass, but they can also be real quiet. <laughs> um, you know, oh man, New Zealand was some of the best, some of the best audiences we've had, and we've been around the block. So I'll say yeah. this, I'll say this, bro. I caught you. Um, I, I had to laugh, or not laugh in a bad way. I just was like, this guy's the man because. That's that's actually when I thought this guy's a legend. You um you came out for your you know when you come out for your bows at the end, yeah. And you started walking back and you started doing a little mini haka. <sighs> and I was like, this guy, here we go. And I was hoping I was because I was there. My la- I went the opening night and I actually went on the with my parents the very last night, the Sunday. Did you? Yeah. And I was yeah. hoping, man, that some of the crowd would stand up and haka you guys because that's kind of what happens a lot yeah. in new zealand like i don't know if you got hucked at all while uh, you were here no but, no 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 didn't but, happen oh man next time but you hucked yeah. us i was like this guy what a legend <laughs> oh, great. um yeah nick nick gave us a very powerful performance um uh, haka as well on his last day oh cool he was just like yeah he wanted to to thank us for welcoming welcoming him into the family and so him and some of the kiwi kids um well all of them actually not some um we all got together and we have this little tradition called the circle of love um before we open a season um so we have a circle of love 10 minutes before the show goes up and um we had a circle of love as well on our last day yeah Um, i think we could hear you we could hear you guys all cheer hooing at the back yeah, 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 that was us. We were, we were, yeah, we were celebrating that. I'll send you a link to what was happening behind yeah, the bro. curtain. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Because and now, because the other thing, oh, I would love to see it. Because the other thing too is, um, and one of the reasons I think Lion King was real special coming to Auckland is we've got a lot of South African, um, people that live in Auckland. You do, you do, yeah, you do. I found that. I found that a lot. I was just walking in the street with my friend, and we were talking. And this guy was walking with his girlfriend, and he was like, 
you guys from South Africa? <laughs> I <am> too. <laughs> like randomly on the streets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, lots. Yeah, I walked into H&M and the lady was like, hmm, I know that accent. Are you from South Africa? I'm yeah. like, yes. Yeah. You bumped into so many South Africans, yeah. a lot. I love that. I love that. Where did you get to go when you walked around? Did you get to, I can imagine you didn't get to leave Auckland, but did you go around the place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We couldn't, we couldn't go too far. Uh, I did go around, uh, find myself in Mission Bay. Uh, We're obviously a CBD. Um, We were were settled um, right at the Viaduct Harbour. So everything was kind of in our vicinity already. Um, we couldn't go really far as well because our off days are on Sunday night or our off night is Sunday night and um, Auckland's very quiet on a Sunday night. So all you could do is really just rest or, you know, party in somebody's hotel room. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's all we did. And we couldn't really interact with a lot of people as well because of the COVID restrictions that our company has. Yeah. Um, so it was... Yeah, I mean, but I did go to um, Rangitoto Island, Waikiki. Um, oh, Waikiki! Did you go wine tasting? Yes, we did. Bro, yes, Stony Ridge is over oh, there, man. That's one of our. Almost, yes, love it. Love oh, did it, you go? Did you, did you have that one? Yes, I went to Stony Ridge and Mudbrick. Ah, and Mudbrick, yeah, my um, friend's getting married yeah. at Mudbrick later this year. I'm going over. Oh, amazing! Amazing! Lucky. Yeah. It, oh man, the views there are so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, at Madbrick, you just see like so like the valleys and mountains yeah. and all that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so uh, where where else did we go? Mount Eden. Yeah, we couldn't do much in three weeks. Um. It is what it is. I wouldn't though, even right? count. I wouldn't even count the first two weeks of quarantine, and then the two weeks after that of rehearsals, because you know the first two weeks i mean you're quarantined so you can't do anything and then after that you're so busy rehearsing and um trying to get back into the swing of things and get your muscle memory back up so yeah. you know you're working and sleeping you're working and resting yeah um so there wasn't much to to do in that first time but after opening then you know you start to go up on queen street and all that and you start to see places and uh, experience yeah. all the coffee shops and nice restaurants and i mean we were at um thingy we were in, at the viaduct harbor so you didn't really have to go far oh to, the viaduct is nice there's a place called nice. white and wong's i don't know if you ever went there it's a really nice oh, um, did it. oh yeah, 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 yeah and the lula inn is another one it's quite a quite a popular one down on the viaduct mm-hmm. yeah no man, it's um, it's a really great place. I'm coming back. I don't know how. I don't know when, but it's gonna happen. Bro, come back, bro. You guys need to come back. You guys just just camp up in Auckland. Become the Auckland <laughs> group. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be great. You guys need your own line kit. Yeah, it's true. Just like, yeah, just parked there. When that curtain closed. And I'm careful how I say this because I, I don't want to be insensitive, but there must be a little thought of like, especially the world and the climate we're in now, of like, I don't know when or if I'll ever see that again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's really, yeah, it's it's grounding. It, it shakes you as well. And, um, and as much as we were all thinking about it, I think our director, uh, Omar, was like, he had to conscientize us to the fact that this may well be the last time. So appreciate it. Mm. Um, like I said earlier on, um, there's a lot of 
um, humility that we all came back with and a lot of uh, counting our blessings as well. And so, yeah, when that final curtain went down, we were like, you know, wow. very emotional <laughs> about it, very excited, you know, because we, we did our jobs and we, 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 I think we knocked it out of the park, if I say so myself. That and, last performance, because um, I went to a couple, your energy levels was something else, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a different yeah, vibe. Yeah. It, it was a it different peaks. vibe. It peaks. Yeah, yeah. You guys were crazy on that last one. Though. <laughs> the audience was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, calm down. <laughs> calm down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they went really mental. So what, what you were saying about, you know, the Kiwi audiences can be a bit rowdy. We saw that right side. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. Yeah, that, that Sunday afternoon and the Sunday evening. Whoa, nearly. That was a lot, yeah, but we we like the kind of energy, you know. We feed off of it. It's not like the, the like the silver screen where, you know, the actors can't hear and feel you. And yeah, we can. Yeah. We can hear you. Can feel you. And as much as there's a fourth wall up, and we have to pretend as if we're not in the same space, we are. We can feel you, and so we yeah. were feeding off that energy definitely. Mm, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's humbling, man. And now now that you're home. What is, I don't want to ask what your, what, what's on the, on the table now, because you might not even know that, but what I'm going to ask is where is your headspace at? Right now I'm focused on my music. I am. Tell me about that, man. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a composer. Uh, What else can I say? Uh, I don't know. Pianist, I guess. I'm just, I'm a self-taught pianist. Because, yeah, when I went to the um, Vit School of Arts, um, like I said, I told you I did classical voice, but that was my first uh, instrument choice. I actually wanted to be a pianist. I wanted to go to Vits as a pianist. And, yeah, my skills went up to par to actually be accepted in. And so um, I sang for them and they said, okay, that's good. We'll take you as a singer. So, yeah, I'm a self-taught pianist from about the age of 17 when everything started really clicking into place as to what I wanted to do with myself. And yeah, right now I've been accepted in a writing uh, festival. uh, uh, Yeah. Composers festival. That's a three month process. So every two weeks we have a zoom check-in with each other to see how the progress is going. And so that's what I'm focused on right now. I'm developing new music Mm. for the South African musical theater Okay. What is your yeah. what is your writing um, process? Um, my writing process <laughs> was that a secret? Because uh, I, I know some people don't like revealing that, and that's totally cool as well. No, it's definitely not a secret. It's just for me, I have to have a, a story and a visual story. So I'm very like my mind works in pictures. So once I know the situation that's where i start i start from a circumstance a situation what's happening and once i can see the movie playing out in my head you know then i start to hear the music as well in my in my ear in my head and then i get a cell and then i'm just like okay and then i go on the piano and and then i put it down on paper so my music theory yeah, my music theory comes into play with that because then I use Sibelius and Staffpad and all these other um, programs 
a garage band and pro tools and yeah i've got my yeah i'm a i'm a i'm a what's diy what is what we call it i'm a diy but i'm a i'm a um what's it? A, a gadget freak <laughs> so <laughs> any any gadget you can think of i've got it hey I've, like wires and cables are my life mate yeah this is this is my setup i've got oh the old, is that a scarlet really yeah there's a scarlet focus right yeah man they're so, scarlet's are mean yeah so oh. i've got my microphones all packed away i haven't really uh, unpacked my microphones but i travel everywhere with them as well and i make i make some pop music some dance music um but i haven't really got to a point of releasing that maybe i need to take a leave from your book and just you know dive dive into it dive in get what people i forget what people are gonna say yeah, man. about it and just release my music yeah so i do make um, a brand of uh south african dance music called boom can you say that <laughs> say that again <laughs> Boom. Oh, nah. no. <laughs> Again? Nah. Well, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. Yeah, so, yeah. So I do, I do specialize in that and uh, musical theater writing and some like alternative stuff because there's no pressure really for me to, you know, do anything specifically. So I do whatever I want really. Because it's like it's my equipment, my mics, my imagination, and so whatever comes into my mind, I put it down. So mm. I'll do anything from dance music to choral music to musical theater to yeah. Um, but you love to yeah, dance, bro. Do you love to dance? That. I do. Uh, I wouldn't ask anyone for money for my dancing, though. <laughs> yeah, I dance for myself. <laughs> I'm not like a, a, a skilled uh, dancer or anything, a trained dancer or anything like that. No, the dancers, the dancers I saw on stage, by the way, were phenomenal oh, too, man. When they, I didn't notice this the first time. I know we're kind of backpedaling a bit, but um, the the girl that comes on and the spiders spin around her. Mm. I didn't notice the ants. Ants. <laughs> oh, bro, I was yeah. so far away, I couldn't tell, bro. <laughs> Yeah, but um, but she that that was beautiful choreography. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some and then even the your um, the um, oh, all of them really, but the firefly yeah. dancer as well. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. One and the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> the yeah. same girl. <laughs> is it? Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. There you go, man. Yeah. So, yeah, um, Lion King requires you to have very, very much ballet training and to be, uh, you know, have a lot of technique. Ballet technique needs to be way up there. And they do take some dancers who don't have ballet technique, but they have to be very exceptional in whatever else they do. So ballet and contemporary is like a must, a must mm. for do you know what you should do, man, is you should look into some of the traditional Maori music um, from our country. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you have already or not, but man, some of the, some of the stuff that, that the Maori people have used, even as instruments like whale bones, and they've got this instrument. I was mm-hmm. on the podcast with the American music muso recently, and I couldn't remember what it was called, but we, you, they, we fling it around and it's, um, it makes mm-hmm. us like, vroom, oh yeah um 
It's real beautiful, I do love man. Ethnomusicology. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, send me some links then. Send me some links to some of that stuff, and I'll, 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 I'll have a listen definitely. Yeah, man. Well, what I'll Probably do is what... my production. Yeah, man. I'll be like, oosh, there he is. There we are. Um, yeah, bro. Did you pick up any slang? Uh, we say we say bro not. a lot. We say oosh. Bro. Yeah. You say what? Oosh. Like oosh. That's oh man. That's mean. <laughs> that's yeah. We've got the same kind of thing in South Africa. Aish. Aish. Ours is aish. Yeah. yeah. Aish is like yo damn. <laughs> bro, my man. MK, bro. Oosh. Wait, what was your one? Aish. 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 This has been yeah. an honor. This has been an honor. And not just because I loved what I saw when I when you guys came to New Zealand, but um, I said this to you before, but this podcast started out of this place of wanting to just take off the floaties, get out of the shallow mm. end of the pool. Because we could have sat here and just talked about, you know, your performance in Lion King and we would have been done in 20 minutes. You know, I think the yeah. art of having a deep conversation and just an organic conversation. You know, I've got no questions, mm-hmm. nothing like that. I've really appreciated mm-hmm. you just diving deep with us and whoever listens do you know what i mean yeah no problem it's an honor man it's great um thanks for reaching out to me